Welcome to another episode of the White Collar Tradie Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Zebranit. Join me as I chat with some of the most interesting, inspirational and successful people I've been fortunate enough to meet throughout my life and through my business journey. Throughout these conversations, we'll dive into the mindset of our guests and uncover some of the tips, tools and strategies they've implemented in their business and their life that has helped shape their success and make them the all-round incredible humans they are. Please enjoy. All right, welcome back to the White Collar Trady Podcast. This is part two of our two-part interview with Michael Mojo Johnson. I hope you enjoy. Let's go. I'd like to get your thoughts on, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'd like to get your thoughts on all the schools and sporting clubs now who are just giving out participation awards, even if you finish last. That's cool. What yes. do you think? What do you think that's teaching people? Do you agree with it? Well, I always come back to intention. Like, what's the intention behind it? So, is the intention to make kids feel good about shitty performance? Is the intention to make kids feel like they're fitting in? It, it depends on the intention, mm. and I can't speak for the intention, but I can just speak for the overall experience. That if I go to, like, if I can't control my food and I'm overweight and I go and get lipo, cool. I might be, I might be a little bit thinner. But the question is, have I learned the habits that I need to learn? to get the results that I need to get for the rest of my life? And the answer is no. Mm. So even though I might be a little bit skinnier, I'm still going to die of a heart attack because I'm going to have fat all around my heart and fat all around my organs and shit like that unless I keep going back for lipo. So I didn't really solve the problem. Most of society aren't smart enough to solve real problems. They're just smart enough to solve superficial problems, mm. right? Like I, I just see it happening every day. And, and every day this happens in business. You've got the grass on, on the top and everyone sees the grass but they don't see what's happening below the surface. When the grass turns brown, if you just go along, you spray the grass green. Did that fix the fucking problem? Mm, no, yeah. all the shit's happening below the surface. If you keep dealing with superficial problems, you're always going to have, you're always going to live a superficial life that never has any depth or any meaning or any, any structure or any strength. I'm always a, a person who believes that 80 to 90% of everything is below the surface. Like, I go out there and I deal with someone who's like, I, I actually did a, a podcast on my own on my own podcast about this over the weekend, um, which should come out in the next couple of days. But when I spoke about it, I said, most people mistake what they see as being the way that it is. And it's not. Sometimes when you walk into a gym, the biggest motherfucker in there is the kindest guy mm. because they got nothing to prove, but it's the little insecure guy who's the most fucking mental. Yeah. Because they're the ones like, oh, fuck you, I don't care. Like, they're willing to die. Yeah. You know? okay. yeah. Because, because, like, they're so scared, they're so afraid, they're so fragile, they'll just snap. Then you've been around business people as well. Some of the worst people to ever do business with are those who don't have money. Because when they don't have money, they will tell you what you want to hear, but they're going to sneak chips across the table onto their side. They're going to find some way of fucking you somehow mm. because, because they've got to survive. And when, when you're surviving, they don't care about you. They're caring about themselves. The best people I've ever done business with are those that are super secure. They're like, yeah, man, look, we fucked up. We made a mistake. It's 50K. Just write it off. It's done. Yeah. Right. And we've learned our lesson. Let's keep moving. Someone who, who makes 50K and they lose 10K, that's like 20% of mm -hmm. everything that they've got. If you take 20% away from someone, they're going to lose their shit. So like sometimes I have people come to my events and they're like, you know, it's my last two and a half grand. I'm like, look, man, just keep it. Yeah. Like, just keep it, buy a book. We'll, we'll catch up some other time. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, man. But I don't, I don't want their last two and a half grand because if I take their last two and a half grand, it's fucking everything that they've got. 
those people are ruthless. Like when something goes wrong, a, a really good example of this is like you go and read reviews. Do you think the people who are writing reviews for most products and services are those out there crushing it with $100 million yeah, empires? Nah, nah. They're the fucking jughead that's a loser that's got no job, who's sitting at home, who's eating fucking Cheetos or Doritos and their fingers are all fucking orange and they're typing on the keyboard and <laughs> shit, you know, <laughs> drinking their eighth can of Red Bull by 10 a.m. You know, or they probably just woke up. You know, <laughs> they're, they're the sort of people that are like, oh, fuck this. And, and they're worried about that they got charged an extra 50 bucks because there's a sale on now and, and they bought a product last week and they could have got it for 50 bucks cheaper this week. You and I couldn't give a fuck about 50 bucks. Like 50 bucks isn't even worth our time of writing a review. Mm. So I think that a lot of the time, most people in our society are so used to dealing with superficial surface level shit that they never really go deep into anything, which is the reason why they never get results. When it comes to those ideas like participation awards and things like that, it's like, why are we doing it? Mm. If maximum growth happens at the borderline of challenge and support, if you over challenge a child, you crush them. But if you over support them, you make them weak. There's a, a, every half decent parent, you don't even have to be a good parent. You've just got to be a half decent parent who looks at their child and goes, right, they're, they're doing something that they're now being driven by their impulses and they're being a bit fucking erratic and crazy. They need to be told off right now. You're going to implant your values when you tell a child off. And that's, that's what keeps them in balance. Mm -hmm. But you create boundaries with them. Every parent sits down and goes, shit, how much do I tell them off? If I yell at them too much, I freak them the fuck out. But if I don't tell them enough, the kids keep taking the piss because they don't respect you and they don't take you seriously. Mm. Where's that line? No parent ever really figures it out. Yeah. And sometimes you snap and you're like, you go nuts and the kids are a bit afraid and you're like, oh shit. And then you feel bad about it and you apologize. But you're learning how to be a better parent and a better leader and a better communicator. And the child's learning like when you fuck around, you find out. Yeah. Right. If you push people too far, they're going to snap. So they're learning their lessons. The parents learning their lessons and that's called growth. In our society, when we just take one side and we're like, okay, we just got to give the kids everything. We just support them. And, you know, another kid picks someone at school. So therefore, you know, we just got to give them a cuddle and we'll tell their parents and fucking. When you, when you wrap the child up in cotton wool, that's great. Cause now they got super confidence and, and they have no fear and they go out to the world and the world's fucking scary. Mm. Now, now you've got that person who walks down the street in the middle of the night and they're, they're not scared of anything, but they're walking down Hindley street on a fucking Thursday night at two o'clock in the morning by themselves. What's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't do that because you've got drunk males and females. Crazy shit goes on, right? So when, when you have a healthy understanding of fear or a healthy understanding of loss, you sort of can mitigate risk and you can think through things more effectively. Now, in the perfect world, like there's all these trippers out there who are like, yeah, but in a perfect world, you know, no one would touch another person. Okay. Give me one time in history that that's ever happened. It fucking, it's never happened, right? In fairy tales and Disney movies and shit, yeah, cool. Mm. But th this is the real world, right? I was speaking to a person actually on Instagram only a couple of days ago, and they're a, a quantum physicist in the United States, and we've been chatting back and forth because they're doing some sales and stuff like that, and they wanted some of my help. And they're um they're they're a, 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 a an attractive Russian uh, woman, and and she works in the field of quantum physics, right? And um, she said, I've got this guy who just keeps sending me death threats all the time. And I'm like, fuck, that's pretty bad. And she's like, yeah, she just, this guy's just got this habit of like finding attractive women and just sending death threats. The police already know who he is. They're just, you know, we, you know, I've got a restraining order and all this sort of stuff. But those people exist. Mm -hmm. If you wrap your child up in cotton wool, how the fuck are they going to deal with someone like that? That's mm -hmm. a psychopath. Yeah. Right now she's done nothing wrong. 
your kids may do nothing wrong, but you wrap them up in cotton wool and teach them that the world's all safe and all fucking roses and shit. And they don't think about that stuff. What happens when they're walking at home at night by themselves because the world's all safe and no one would ever touch a woman and shit or no one would ever touch another person. And then now all of a sudden that fucking psychopath's out there. Yeah. They don't think through consequences. Right. So coming back to my point is like, there's the fairy tale tale ideal world, which most people have inside their mind of how the world should be. Then there's the actual reality of how the world is. Mm. And the world has all different types of people. Now, if you're going out to the world and, and I've seen this and I'm sure you have as well, and I'm sure the other business owners have, is there are these kids now that are coming out of univers- uh, coming out of school, right? They're 18 and you've got a job. And, and this is an example that we had. I had a job before COVID, before all the inflation and the prices went up for a, a marketing manager, $120,000 a year plus bonuses. So, you know, now let's say it's 150,000 bucks in, you know, in, in this, in this market. The majority of people who sent messages were like, oh, I don't really know what I want to do in life, but I thought this would be a good place to start. I'm like, for 150 grand, motherfucker, like go try 40. Yeah. Go, go figure out what you want to do at 40 grand a year, not at 150. But they don't understand that because mm. mum and dad have always told them that you can be anything. You can do anything. Like you just got to try. Try for 150 grand. Mm. Remember back in our days, you start at like, when, you, when you're an apprentice, it's like, here's the shovel. Here's the broom. Yeah. Enjoy the next year. Yeah. And you're like, but I just, I just want to do something. And you're like, yeah, shovel and broom. <laughs> that, yeah. That's it. Like Definitely you, different now. 100%. You can clean the toilets every Friday. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. then some guy goes in there, drinks like half a liter of iced coffee and blasts the toilet a bit. Yeah. And, and you've got to go clean that shit. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that teaches that you start from the bottom and you work up. Now, I don't know whether that's the best way, but what I know is that coming out and being overconfident, you get smashed back down to the level that you're at. And so now all these kids are coming out and they're trying to get jobs and they can't get jobs because they're worth $150,000 a year, according to mum and dad, but they really, they've got no skills. They've never worked a job. They can't take any pressure. I've had uh, a couple of really young people come through and work for us and they last like two weeks and they're like, oh, I just, just can't do it. And it's like, why? What's going on? They're like, it's too stressful. I'm like, you haven't fucking done anything. Yeah. What the, they just have zero stress tolerance. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not all of them. There are, I, I think kids who get brought up in a lot harsher environments, like lower socioeconomic where mum and dad aren't around and they get the shit kicked out of them and stuff like that man, they want to work. They mm. want to work because they have suffered. And so for them, working hard isn't suffering. It's actually, it, it, it's helping them build their self-worth. Mm. Whereas you get those kids that are oversupported, mum and dad nurture them. You're going to end up with a 45 year old that's still living at home with mum and dad who wants 150 grand a year. That's never really worked a proper job that doesn't want to work after hours. I saw some dude on TikTok that's like, you know, when, when I work a job, no one's allowed to contact me after hours and no one's allowed to do this. And you know, they should pay this and, and you know, oh. I'm entitled to all this shit. Yeah. And I'm like, motherfucker, you're not entitled to anything in life. You're not entitled to anything. Like you're not even entitled to clean air in this day and age, mm. right? You're not entitled to water. You're not entitled to anything. You're born and now you've got to go and earn the right to have shit in life. That's mm. how, that's how we progress. And, and this is controversial, right? But as a society, we work, we work together by, by, supporting the tribe and we're all tribal. So if as a country, if we want to grow, we have to build businesses and we've got to employ people. We've got to support people to a point that that the economy grows and society grows in a business. You've got to hire the right people that are going to make the business grow because anything that's not growing is dying full stop. Mm -hmm. If your business stagnates, someone else is just going to come and clean you up and and take take your clients. Right. Yeah. So you want to have people that are growth driven in order to grow and it's a competition. 
right? If you want to keep your job, you're competing with other people in the marketplace. The business is competing with other businesses and so on. Now, I'm not saying that everyone should be working 100, 150 hours, but what I'm saying is that you need to have some sense of drive and what you're really in the marketplace for. Australia is a really, we, we're, we're so lucky because we've got so much mining and cash in this country through natural resources that Australians are pretty lazy and pretty complacent. Now that's not everybody, but I mean, a lot of people will probably listening to this are wanting to better themselves, but Australians are just inherently lazy, mm. right? Finish at four, three o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, go to the pub, hang out, not work Saturday, Sundays. You go to places like Indonesia, and if you've ever been to Bali, oh yeah, the drivers seven days, hundred percent, but they they don't know any different, right? Yeah. Because all they're trying to do is they're trying to support their family, they want to survive, and they just want to do a little bit better than the previous generation. Mm. That's what they're trying to do. Over here, it's like, well, I want to do better than the previous generation, but I don't want to work like them. I don't want to do any. I want to do less mm. than them. I want to have a four day work week. Yeah, I don't want to work after hours. I don't want any pressure, any stress. If not, I've got to go on fucking mental health leave. And, you know, or if not, I'm going to pull a, a work cover claim. It's just like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Now there's got to be a balance point. Like you can't in, in every area of life, maximum performance comes from working hard, but then also resting and healing. So like, if you look at a professional athlete, like an NBA basketballer, they might play three games a week, but when they're not playing, they are focused on recovery so that they can play again. An intelligent business owner works really, really hard, but they also recover hard so that then they can work hard again. Mm, that's a, that's the, a great tip. Yeah, yeah. And the average employee is working hard so they don't have to work, but by not by wanting to not work, now they feel like shit when they are working because they don't really want to work, but at the same time, they want to get ahead, but they don't really want to get ahead. And so it creates this stressed out mindset of like, work is hard. Mm. Work's not hard if you just commit to it, right? If you're committed to work and you're like, yeah, I go to work, I do hard shit all day. And then when I come home, I just rest. But most Aussies go home, they eat shit, they drink alcohol, they watch fucking stupid TV that, that's, I don't know, doesn't make them feel any better about their own lives. They'll get so consumed by sport over the weekend where they can yell at somebody else and go, you're fucking shit, you know, bloody umpires. And they get all emotionally involved in, a, in something that they can't even fucking control. Mm. And then they go back to work on Monday and they're like, oh, fuck this place. Why am I back here again? It's just, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't get it, but maybe I'm just maybe I'm maybe I'm the weird one. Maybe I'm I'm ignorant. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, employees I just, are. Well, I don't know that it's employees are. I just think that there. Are, I, I think that we're sold a fantasy and we're sold a delusion that life should be easy. Mm. Life's never been easy, and it's never been easy since Adam and Eve, right? And and there's this idea when when you're living in that id or that animalistic brain, and the animalistic brain is just searching for survival. It's got its impulses and it's got its fears. When you're fear-driven, you become impulsive. And when you're impulsive, it creates more of those fears again and it reinforces itself. When most people are living in fear and they go, you know, if I can just get enough money, then I'll never have to work again. That's fear-based and it's created an impulse around money. Then it's like, well, I want to have a great body because I feel like shit about myself and I want to go to the gym and I want to exercise, which is fear-driven. And now they're like, now I can overeat and binge eat because I've been to the gym. And so they never move forward with their health goals. Most people just set themselves up to fail because their whole philosophy on life is just incorrect. It doesn't make sense. Hmm. And instead of seeing what life is, which is life is about growth. Maximum growth happens through stress and pressure. How can I take on the most stress and pressure? And how can I live a life that I love? That's a different question than how's, how should I, how's life? How can I just make an easy life? How can I be comfortable? How can I have no stress? You take mm. away stress, you take away growth. 
Absolutely. you take away growth, you're going to hit rock bottom. You're going to feel like shit. And then you're going to have a ton of pressure again. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a great way to think. I'm going to remember that when shit's getting hard, thinking hmm. about like, got to take on maximum pressure and maximum stress. Yeah. I, w- I think about it like boxing, right? That I wouldn't get in the ring with Mike Tyson at his prime because he's going to beat the living shit out of me. Mm. But plenty of people did. And there were people who beat Mike Tyson. Why? Because they were at the level that he was playing at. And so you get punched as hard as the level that you're playing at. Yeah. My hairdresser, he's a, he's a boxer as well and a golden glove boxer and stuff like that, this young guy. And even for him, he, he loves getting in the ring and he loves getting hit because that's his thing, right? right. It's, it's what he loves. In life, people start a business and they, they, they set the rules of the game wrong or that they set their fantasy of business wrong instead of realizing that you're getting in the ring to get punched. You don't get in the ring if you don't want to get punched. Mm. You don't get to live a great life and have millions of dollars if you don't want to get punched. When you realize that having problems, having stress, having frustration is just the fucking pleasure of the game. Yeah. And instead of getting hit going, oh, fuck, what it, like an amateur or, or someone on the street, right? They get punched and they go, oh, you know, that hurt. Wow, I, you know, it really sucked. And then they think about how bad it was and then they get fear driven. A professional athlete gets punched in the face, like a professional boxer gets punched in the face and like a fucking good hit. Yeah. And then now it's my turn to hit you back. Yeah. You see really good fighters, they sort of smile a little bit when they get hit because they're yeah. like, that was fucking good. Yeah, then, they do. So in business, why isn't it the same? When a problem pops up, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, I think when they do get punched, they're, anal- they're analyzing in their head, why did I get punched? Mm-hmm. You know, and they they move, you know what I mean? Then they're sort of training around it yeah. at the same time. Yeah. You spoke about physical training mm-hmm. and how it's important to you. And um, I guess you, I don't want to preempt the answer because I suppose it's probably going to come back to your mission, but I'd like to get some tactical advice from you about the days, and I'm sure you haven't, when you just can't be fucked training. Yep. And how do you, what is your mind mindset thoughts around that? Because I think we all struggle with that. Yes. Yeah, so especially the, me. I guess the question is now. Now, knowing what I know or back when I was a lot younger? I'd love to know now. Okay. Now, like, what is your thought process now, seeing as you don't miss the gym, rarely? It's not that I don't miss the gym. It's just I'm not black and white like I used to be. So when you're all or nothing, you normally end up with nothing. Mm. So I don't, I'm not an all or nothing person. So when we went to the golf and I said I hadn't drunk since November, and most of the guys were like, what, what? Like, that's disciplined. I don't see it as being disciplined. I just have a reason to not drink. And the reason is I've got this big mission. I want to work really, really hard to achieve that mission. I don't want to wake up in the morning, have um, have this hangover, feel like shit. It takes me four days to get like my performance back. To me, it's not even worth it. So it's not that I'm disciplined. It's just like if I said to you, do you like chocolate? Do you like chocolate? Yes. Cool. And if I had your favorite block of chocolate here and I said to you, you can eat it, no calories, whatever, would you have it? Yeah, if there was no calories in it. Cool. But if I said to you, here's a million bucks or the chocolate, you get to pick which one, which one is it? Million. 100% it is. So if you've got a bigger reason to not drink, you're just not going to drink. Okay. So it's not even a choice. It's just, it's, it is what it is. So I'm not disciplined. I don't do the whole like fucking dry July and all that shit. And I'm like, oh, I'm not drinking. I never tell anyone I don't drink. It's just, I choose not to drink because I've got a bigger mm. reason to not drink. There's a bigger goal there. Um, The same with food. Like I... I still go out and I eat a pizza. The other night I smashed a snitty. It's not that I don't eat that food. It's just that the majority of the time I think about the consequence of eating it and I go, well, it's not worth it because to me, the 
the the you know the the companies that I'm trying to build. Like I'm trying to build a billion dollar empire that helps people to, to perform better in life. So I'm trying to build high performance medical centers where you can go there and get all your bloods and everything done. And you know I'm I'm trying to build uh, an empire of businesses that help people perform better in mindset and and business consulting and all that sort of stuff. So when I look at that, I go. Is it really worth the shitty food where I'm going to wake up tomorrow and feel like dog shit and then my brain's going to be all foggy and I'm not going to be able to work? Mm. I love working. Like I love waking up in the morning and just getting up at five and hanging it, going downstairs, reading, reading a little bit, hopping on the computer. It, it's just I have a bigger reason. Okay. It's the chocolate or the million bucks. Yeah. Whereas most people, they're comparing chocolate to, I guess, something of similar value and they're like, oh man, I'd... I, I want to be healthy, but at the same time, like I really want the beer and like, oh fuck. And then it's like it, that thing inside your own mind destroys it. Yep. Right. That's why I think a mission is so important because when something is big enough, you work hard towards it and everything else just becomes like a no brainer in decision making. When you don't really have a big mission, everything's complicated. Mm -hmm. And I get on the phone with business owners. I'm like, right. So you're telling me you want to build a $10 million business. Yep. Okay, cool. So it's going to cost you, let's say 40 grand a year to work with me. Oh man, that's a lot of money. Is it? When you compare it to 10 million bucks, is it a lot of money? It's not really. But what they're doing is they're comparing 40 grand to where they're at now. And so they're like, oh man, that's a lot of money. How quick, you're a business owner, how quick can you lose 40 grand? One day. Yeah. Easy. One fuck up, right? 40 grand. One gone. fuck up. Easy. So if you had the right mindset or the team had the right mindset, you'd save 40 grand if they didn't fuck that up. Mm. Most people don't think like that. They just, they think so superficially and so just surface level. Whereas when you've got a deeper reason, everything becomes a simple choice, mm. right? If I'm trying to build a hundred million dollar empire or a billion dollar empire to spend 80 grand or a hundred grand is a no brainer, but to spend a hundred grand when you've got a, a mission, that's like, oh, I just want to grow my business. A hundred grand's like, fucking hell, I can't, I, I can't afford that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So it, it, it's all relative, right? It's relative to the mission. And, mm -hmm. and then, then it decides on how much do you really want it? It's what's the obstacles that you're prepared to jump across in order to get what you want. Um, by the way, what was the question again? I've gone by, <laughs> I'm just on my tangent. When you, when you can't be fucked training. Uh, so it, it's not that I don't go to the gym every day, right? So, but I, I do some form of movement every day. So I, I try to set up rules for my life or things like that, that are sort of flexible. Um, I think like, especially with men in our society, I think part of the mental health problem is that men think that they're strong. You can't be strong without having some sort of a weakness, right? They're two of the same thing. So you might display strength externally, but I can guarantee the only reason why you're trying to express the strength externally is because you feel weak internally. Mm -hmm. So there's like this counterbalancing that's happening and this insecurity. If you have a look at something that's perfectly balanced, something that's both weak and strong is flexible and pliable. So do you want to be strong? Do you want to be weak or do you want to be pliable? Which one's going to get the best results in life? Pliable. I agree. So if I throw a rock at a, 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 a glass window, it's either going to chip or it's going to crack. Mm -hmm. Most dudes, the reason why they're like these big tough guys and shit, and then they just, I think part of the reason why they kill themselves is because they're so, they try to be so strong that when they fucking crack, they crack. Yeah. Right? Not, not a good idea. Whereas when you've got a bit of softness to you and you're a bit more flexible and a bit more pliable, you can sort of be a bit more adaptable to things. And so in my life, when I set up rules, I used to say things like, oh, I've got to go to the gym five days a week and I've got to lift this type of weight. But what I would find is that Maybe Wednesday, I wake up and I'm just tired. I had a really shitty sleep or whatever, for whatever reason. Then I go into the gym and I'm like, man, I fucking can't really train properly. And then I start feeling like shit. And then I start beating myself up. Then I go and eat a pizza. Then I wake up in the morning and I can't be fucked going to the gym because I'm tired and I'm, I've eaten shit food. And now I feel guilty about that. Now I'm in a downhill spiral. Mm. 
So I don't set my life up to lose. I set my life up in a way where I'm flexible and pliable. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, if this happens, then what? So I think through these things. And so for me, it's like, I move, I move seven days a week and my rule is move seven days a week for 30 minutes. Okay. Now I have three days a week. Most of the time I do gym or weights, but outside of that, sometimes I'll do a bit of a CrossFit workout. Sometimes I go for a walk. Some days I train twice. Some days I even try and train three times. Like I wake up in the morning, go for a walk. Then I do a CrossFit workout at lunch. And then, you know, I might go for Mm. a walk. Mm-hmm. Other days, like today, um, I was going to go do jujitsu, but I ended up just getting, um, you know, stuck on, on calls and I was like, yeah, I'll go for a walk later. Yeah. So I make it so it's a bit more pliable when I go out for dinner, instead of being like, I've got to be calorie counting and shit, like what's the healthiest thing? So I could probably have a steak and some veg and whatever. If I blow up my calories, it's fine. I'll just pull them back a little bit tomorrow and we're good. Yeah. Versus most people have this pendulum. It's like, well, I've had, I've had beers today. I'm always going to blow out the whole weekend and I'm going to get as smash as I can today and I'm going to eat as much shit as I can. I'm going to eat really, really clean on Monday and I'm going to go to the gym and do five days a week. When you do that, you're just a big fucking pendulum that swings back and forward between from one side to the other. And those swings are huge. Mm. That's going to destroy your mental health. Just yeah, be flexible, flexible, man. man. Like, that's, that's what I need to build in because that, that's big. Yeah, like I do the same bit. You can get in that downward spiral, can't you, when you have one bad day of eating it can easily, usually does turn into six more. And then you're like, oh, I'll just start the next Monday. Yeah. Yeah. If you're building that flexibility, especially with the training as well. So that's really good advice. I'm going to do that. And and when you're like that, you don't need to wait for Monday, right? Because you're just like, yeah, all right, cool. I'll just pull back a little bit. So it's like, I went a bit too high there. So I'll just pull back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, some days I'll have like last week, the, the, because the workouts changed, I'm doing more like CrossFit EMOM style workouts. Last week I did the training session with my, with my trainer and I was absolutely fucked afterwards. Like, you know, almost you could feel my whole nervous system, like just yeah, like spazzing out almost. And, um, you know, I had the afternoon plan to go get work done and I'm just like, you know what? I can't even function. So all I'm going to do is I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to have the night off. I'll go to bed early and then tomorrow morning I'll get up and I'll just catch up on the work. Like it's not that big a deal, mm. but I think people, most people that I've come across because they're all or nothing type people, they're like. Well, I fucked up today, so you know what? I'm just going to eat shit tonight, and then I'm just going to... And so, again, they, yeah. they go to that, like, impulsiveness because of their fears and their worries and their stresses and concerns, and they can't live up to their own expectations, and they just swing back and forward, and, and it's too much, and eventually they'll just get to the point where they're like, you know what, this is too fucking hard, mm. and then they just become mediocre at everything because it's like, why set big goals when you just fuck them all up all the time? Yeah. It's not about that. It's like, how, how can I be consistent? Consistency beats... You know, like the, 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 the dude who eats the perfect diet for an eight-week challenge will be beaten by the person who's consistent. I go out all the time and I see people that are like, I'm on my eight-week challenge and I'm cutting back and I'm going to get shredded. And yeah. You see them three months later and they're like fucking chubby and shit again. And you're like, yeah, what definitely, definitely. And then, you know, they're back on the diet again. Do you know how much easier it is to just go, you know what, I'm going to have a snitty tonight and tomorrow we'll just pull back the calories a little bit. Yeah. You know how much easy that true. is? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That one person who's bringing like carrots to the barbecue because they're on the eight week challenge. You're like, oh, come on, man. Totally can have one sausage. Like that kills me. Totally. Anyway, I've got to keep moving on. Yeah. Uh, often we speak about limiting beliefs. I think that's one of the biggest things I've got from us working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that I used to tell myself, which I've sort of, I don't anymore is that there was no good plumbers out there who wanted to work here. Mm-hmm. Or who were looking for a job. That was one of my stupid limiting beliefs. I didn't even know it. So I'd like to ask you what some of your limiting beliefs have been that you've had to change over the years. Shit, man. They're like, 
always. It's like everything in life, right? Like things work until they don't work. And every, every asset eventually becomes a liability. So your beliefs now will eventually become your liability. But at one point, they're your asset. Mm. The habits that you have today were once your goal of creating those new habits. So like when you create a habit, you create a habit and then that habit works for a while. And then eventually that habit becomes a habit that's a pain in the ass that you've got to try and break in order to create mm. a new habit. Mm. So, you know, like we're always creating new habits. We're always creating new beliefs where it, I, I think like, I think life for me, from what I've been able to study and a lot of my philosophies are based on other great philosophers that I've studied. Um, and I've studied a, a lot of really good philosophers throughout history. I've also studied a lot of the later science as well. And I try to bridge those gaps because I think great thinkers are great thinkers. And I think sometimes people get so caught up, especially in this day and age of like the scientific methodology, they get so caught up in right and wrong versus like, how do great thinkers think? I like to think how great thinkers think, because mm. I think that's more important than being right or wrong. Cause who knows what's Albert Einstein said, today's facts are tomorrow's fiction. So when it comes to beliefs, your beliefs work to a point and then they stop working. And if they stop working, you've got to be self-aware enough to reflect and go, well, why aren't I getting the results that I want? Or why, is it, why aren't things working? So I have this, I, I've had it twice just in the last 24 hours where someone said to me, you know, it's just so hard to get good employees, right? I'm like, okay, cool. It's fair enough. That's your belief and that's what you look for. Well, fair enough. That's, that's the world that you have. The world that people perceive is essentially based on their perception. So if someone says you can't trust anyone, they're a hundred percent right, mm. right? Because in their own mind, that is their belief. Mm. So they're a hundred percent right. You've had arguments before, as have I, with other people, and they're like, "But you know, there's no money in the world." And like, "There's fucking money everywhere." And they're like, "Nope, there's no money in the world." You're both right because you see money, they don't. Yeah, yeah. So you're not going to convince them. That, <laughs> yeah. You're not going to convince them that there's shitloads of money in the world. Because that's a belief that they don't have. Just like if someone says, I believe in God, and someone else says, I don't believe in God, you're not going to convince, like, the dude who believes in God is not going to sit there and go, actually, you know what? You're fucking right. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. But they don't care because I've got the belief. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I haven't been attached to beliefs because I think that they only work for a certain period of time. What I'm more attached to is outcomes. So, you know, if, if you believe in God, and that helps you to run a better business. Who am I to say that he doesn't exist because you're getting the results? Mm. I'm not going to go to even go down that path of talking about religion and shit. But my point is that your beliefs are either working for you or they're working against you. The question is, do you want to change them or not? Mm. And I have people every week that ring me up and they're like, you know, yeah, but the economy is just shit. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what's that got to do with your business? And they're like, well, you know. It's just no one wants to spend any money. I'm like, fucking no one. 26 million Australians or 27 million Australians and no one wants to spend money. You dumb shit. Like, let's just look at the share market today, right? Let's say there's $20 billion has changed hands in the Australian, the Australian stock exchange or the global, you know, whether it's, you know, like if, if I, this is what I realized when I was younger, in my twenties. And this is what got me set on the, the mindset path. There were people out there who believed that certain things were certain ways and they tended to achieve a lot. And what I found was that those who believed that they couldn't, they were normally right. And those who believed they could were right. So I'm not saying that people who just believe shit all the time make it happen. But what I'm saying is that intelligent beliefs tend to work better than unintelligent beliefs. Now, some people exaggerate their beliefs and they're like, I just believe that I can do anything and can conquer the world and they're going to get the shit kicked out of. Mm. Then there are other people out there who are like, I don't believe that anything will ever work. And so 
they don't get anywhere. There's like a sweet spot in the middle somewhere where if you keep questioning your beliefs and you sort of work on them. Um, mm. Questioning the beliefs, I reckon that's big. Yeah. And that's really, I, I think in order to be able to question your beliefs takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of intelligence. And I don't think most people do it because it gives them certainty about life. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you can say, my ex-girlfriend's a bitch because of all these fucking reasons and, you know, she fucked me and all that. Okay, cool. But what was your role in that? Mm. Because if you don't, if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're going to repeat them. Mm. And most people repeat the same shit over and over again. Like you've probably got friends and they date the same girlfriend. They've just got a different name and a different haircut, but they're the same fucking person. They've got the same habits, the same yeah. shit. And then they're like, I can't believe she left. And it's like, how could you not believe she left? The last 10 have like, it's the same. Yeah. Business owners are like, you can't, you know, all employees are shit. And it's like, okay, but so there's a common, there's a common theme in there. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn that lesson, you're going to keep hiring people because your hiring strategy is shit, but your hiring strategy is shit because your, your thought process and your beliefs around it are completely incorrect and they're not getting you the result you want. Yeah. So you can hold on to that and then you can try to change the world to fit your beliefs or you can change your beliefs to fit the world around you. Like how do you, mm. how do you, which one's going to be easier? Mm. So from a younger age, I started realizing that my thought process was either working for me or working against me. And that I also know that everyone who's listening to this knows that they're their best friend and their worst enemy. I would rather have my brain as my best friend than my worst fucking enemy. Mm. Because if my brain is my worst enemy, no matter what anyone else does, I guarantee I'll do worse. I people all the time attack me on social media and I'm like, I couldn't give a fuck. Doesn't bother me. It mm. used to, but it doesn't anymore. The reason is because I'm just doing my thing. Yeah, that's cool. You know, most of the people go, your, your events are a scam and you rip people off. I'm like, cool, man. What event have you been to? Mm. Did I take your cash? Did I take somebody knows cash? Yeah. They're just, it's just, it's just a belief that they have. Now I can get on there and I can argue with them, but that ain't going to change the fact that they think that, right? So fucking who cares? Yeah. But I had to change that belief around that also. So those, those people help, are helping me evolve in my reactions. And I think the environment around us helps us to see how we think. So I really believe that our external world is a reflection of our internal world. So if you want to see a person's thoughts, have a look at what they create. It's really that simple. When someone's like, I'm fucking business is stuck. What do you reckon's going on in their head? They're stuck. hundred percent. You know, business is falling apart. What do you reckon's going on inside their head? They're falling apart for some reason. I'm crushing it. What do you reckon's going on in their head? They're crushing it. hundred percent. So like, I, I, I really think that the mindset field is one of the most underutilized fields in any area. And I've been brought into professional sports teams and funny story. I, I can't, I won't say who it is, but a, a professional sports team, the, the assistant coach reached out to me and they said that they were listening to one of my uh, talks on social media. And I think it was a rant that I was on. And this person didn't even have social media. You don't media. go on rants. Yeah, I know I don't go on the Um Sorry, go on. So he, he, he was listening. His ex-wife had um, had me on in the morning. They were getting ready or something for work. And she just had me playing in the background. He's like, who the fuck is this? And she said, oh, it's, you know, Mojo and da-da-da. And he's like, this is good. And he didn't have social media. So she reached out to me and she's like, he's the assistant coach of this sporting team. Um, you know, he would love to catch up with you. And I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up getting in contact with him, caught up with him. And I said, what's going on? And he said, do you know, in our professional sport, we have to have psychologists now, not because of sports performance and making these young men, men, we've only got them there so they don't commit suicide. That's the only reason he told me these were his words. 
they were afraid of young guys committing suicide. And that's the reason why they had a sports psychologist, not because they were helping them with their performance or not because they were helping them with their, um, you, you know, life skills. Mm. And he said, most of them, you have to understand that most of these young men have been spoon fed and had their bums wiped since they were young because, you know, 10, 11, 12 years of age, they were sort of excelling at sport. And then they got into the, you know, under, yeah. under 16s, under 18s and all that. And they've consistently been seen as a golden child. Then they get um, scholarships and all that for schooling and, and they fuck around at school and the teachers don't really kick them out because the yeah. school doesn't want to kick them out. And then they become professional athletes and, and their first paycheck. They, they've never had to work at McDonald's or anything like that because mum and dad take care of them or they've got scholarships. And now they go out and play this professional sport and their first paycheck might be 120 to 150,000 bucks a year. Yeah. And, and they're just on the list. They haven't even had a game yet. And so he's like, they have no fucking life skills. They've never had to have any responsibility, never accountability. And for yeah, some of them, they they get into the game and then they get dropped after the first year and that's it. Game over. The thing that they've worked ho hard for their whole life is over and done with. Mm. And then now they've got to go and figure out what they want to do in life. Mm. And so he's like, they just fall into these downhill spirals. He's like, dealing with young guys is really tough. And he said, we need someone like you to come in and not only teach these young guys how to be men and the responsibilities that they have but also give them the tools to not only perform well in sport, but perform well in life. Anyway, I worked with him a couple of times and then unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, he got um, a huge exchange to, uh, it's an international sport, so he got uh, a, a big gig overseas and um, he left and then that was it. I just perished into the, oh, you know, that yeah, was it. Yeah. I never worked with him again or, or anything like that. And so, um, you know, I think... Um, mindset is really such an untapped resource in every area. Like even sporting teams underutilize the mental performance space so much. Mm. But not only that, businesses just do such a bad job. Like I, 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 I get asked to go and speak at corporate events and I fucking hate them. And I hate most corporate events because most corporate events are more built on making staff feel good and a day off than they are actually solving a problem and helping people. So like when I get, when I go in and speak in a business, I'm like, right, Let's do the values of the organization. Let's get your values clear. Let's align them so that we can work. We can be more productive. They don't want to hear that shit. They want someone up there like, you know, I overcame this hardship and yeah. here's my fucking success. And so they get the professional athlete up there who talks about their career and everyone goes, wow, I'm really motivated. Two days later, they're back doing the same shit that they've always done. There's, there's, no, there's no change or there's no transfer in knowledge. It's just that they've been inspired for two days and most of the workers are there. Like they've got 4,000 staff sitting in this big fucking auditorium listening to this professional athlete talking about their career and they're getting all inspired and motivated. That shit lasts for two days and mm. then they go back to doing the same stuff that they've always done. That's it. So um, I, my point is that I think the mental performance space is so underutilized in business. It's so underutilized in sport. There is just so much room to grow. And I think those who start to master it now are those who are just going to obliterate their competition. Mm. Obliterate it because it's just such an untapped resource. I'm going to cut a few questions short here, but I'm hoping maybe we can come back for a round two because I've got a lot more questions, but I think personally, I think one of the skills that you, I believe it's a skill, you probably might have a different opinion, but a, a, a skill you learn as you go along in business is like to learn how to trust your gut instinct, mm -hmm. that feeling you get. I'd like to know your thoughts on how do you look at making decisions based on information and data that you're looking at versus what your gut is telling you when they both don't align with each other. I think they're, 
they're the same. They're, they are the same thing. It's just, it's often misrepresented or misdiagnosed. And the reason why I say that is because when, when we're talking about gut feeling, there, there's a couple of different things and these, I'm, I'm a bit more scientific down this area. Mm. When we're, That's when we're talking about gut feeling, there's no real scientific evidence that gut feeling exists, but humans have a, a sense of this idea of though, like they have this feeling and it's right. But if you look at specific scientific studies, there's no data out there that shows that it's accurate. It's like a 50-50, you might as well just toss a coin. Yeah. Where it's accurate is that you've had these past experiences and those past experiences led you to feel a certain way. So let's say you've gone into business with someone before and you got screwed and you went into business with someone before and you got screwed. And then you've dealt with a couple of bad customers. And so you start piece, your brain starts piecing together like what's, what's the similarities between these? So then the next time you've got to make a decision, you're like, okay, I feel this certain way, but those feelings are there based on your past experiences. So it's not that you've got a gut feel, it's just that you're actually taking the data from these past experiences and then interpreting them as a gut feel, yeah. but it's actually knowledge that you have from those experiences. So the wisdom is there, but if it's just the gut feeling and it's emotional, it'll be a 50-50 split. Okay. So there'll be times, like if, if you say to someone, when you're stressed, do you get more red lights than what you do normally? Yeah. Well, no, but you feel like you do. You feel like you do, right? Because you're more aware of it. Like if I say to you for a million bucks. Yeah, if you're I, in a rush, you get every red light seemingly. Yeah, but it's, it's not that. It's, it's that there are some times where things flow and there are some times there aren't. I mean, I'm in a rush sometimes and I get every fucking green light and I get there early and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, when, when it's all the red lights and I'm stressed, I'm like, shit. And you become hyper aware of it. So under stress, we become hyper aware of the externals. When we're calm and relaxed, we become more aware of the internals. Mm-hmm. So our brain structure based on neuroscience, when we're relaxed and calm, we tend to internalize thoughts. When we're stressed, we tend to externalize, which is why when we're under stress, we tend to blame shit outside of ourselves instead of looking and realizing mm-hmm. that it's fucking us that mm-hmm. creates most of the problems. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Um, so, so the gut feeling is there, but it's based on past experience. And so the more experience you are, the more you, you can trust your gut because, and the more accurate it is because of the experiences you've had. Mm-mm. If you take some dipshit and then get them to go on their gut experience in business, yeah. I can guarantee they get the right make okay. the decision a lot. There. And, the, and hence why I feel maybe I'm calling it a skill, but essentially it's just, it's experience, isn't it? Yeah. And then that's what's giving you the gut feel. Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. hundred percent. And that's sick. You know, you get this in sport as well, where someone goes, you know, I just felt that they were going to kick the ball that way. It wasn't that you felt it. It was that there are all these little nuances that you're yeah, picking up on okay. the way that they're holding the ball, the way that they're moving, the way that they're kicking, and your brain just goes bang, and it does it so fast mm. that your interpretation is that you just knew it. Mm. But it wasn't that you knew it. It was just decades of training and, and being on the field that yeah. you do that. Yeah. That's, oh, I never thought about it like that, but it's so, it's so you're spot on, like, you'd, you'd know mm. in your field where you got, probably got people coming to you all the time, you, you do, and then you just... Over the so many times you've had so many types of people come to you and you can see like, oh, just something doesn't feel right about that that person. Like I get that with customers mm-hmm. and I t- certainly didn't have it at the start. I was just taking on every customer. I thought everyone was a good bloke. Yep. And now as you come along, I feel like I can just go to a site meeting with and meet someone and, and I'll be like, yeah, no, they're definitely trustworthy. Or sometimes you're like, no, nah, something's not right. But you, you're usually right if once you get experience. Yeah. But if you took you back when you first started, I guarantee you would have had that same mm. feel. It's mm. just—I never just thought about it like that, but it's true. Yeah. One more question. Go for it. Because we've got to wrap it up. But I'm telling you, I've got a lot more that I 
in this uncertain economic um, environment we're all heading towards, mm-hmm. well, what the experts will tell you, yep. um, what do you think is going to separate the business people who come out on top versus the rest of them? Cool. The uncertainty is created on a lack of knowledge. We're uncertain when we don't know. When you know, you're not uncertain. So it's not it's not a time of economic uncertainty. Warren Buffett's not stressed about a time of economic uncertainty. He's sitting back with all of his cash going, yes, we're going into a contraction in the economy because it's been overstimulated and what goes up has to come back down. You know, I keep talking about this law of balance. If you look at the yin-yang philosophy, which has been, or the, the Chinese philosophy of yin-yang, it's been around for thousands of years. Mm. And what that says is that as one side expands, so does the other. You can't have one without the other. So you can't have an expansion without a contraction. It's got to go back to what its average is. And so if you look at, let's say, the US share market, on average, it's about an 8% growth per year, year on year, on average over the last 100, 112 years, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. So we know that if the economy is overstimulated and you're getting, you know, 12, 15, 18, 20% per year for three years, then you know where we're heading into a correction. Yeah. And it's really a correction and, and it's a contraction. But that's because it's been overstimulated. Yeah. You know, you know, when you're hyperactive that you're eventually going to crash, like any human that's super excited and excitable and burns a lot of energy will crash mm-hmm. after a hard training session. You've got to recover. Like there's this, there's this beautiful balancing act that happens or homeostasis in, in the world, mm-hmm. I believe, and in society and in ourselves. So we've had this economic expansion, especially in the building industry. So it's obvious the building industry has got to contract. It has to. Um, it, it can't stay overstimulated for a period of time because it's just it's it's it'll go out of control. The economy has been overstimulated. That there has to then have a contraction in order to bring it back. You and I both know that it is almost impossible to find half decent employees now because the the um, the unemployment rate is so low that mm. now, like I mean, a year ago. I heard of big businesses, like I was speaking to someone who runs a, a major legal firm um, here in Adelaide, and they were saying to me, like, they were just hiring hiring um, lawyers because they, did, they, they knew that they were going to keep expanding. They're like, we'd rather have the employees just sitting around all fuck all than wait six months and have the work and not have people to do the work. So they were essentially hiring staff mm. just to have them available as the business grows mm-hmm. versus like a normal type business, you don't have that opportunity. So now there are there were major, large organizations, huge corporations that were just hiring people just for the sake of hiring them because they they had to have them because of their their forecasting of expansion. That was it. Mm. So you and I are out there trying to hire an employee and they're like, well, fuck it, I'm working for this large firm and I get paid to pretty much sit there and do fuck all day and they're paying me, you know, an extra 20% on top of what I'm really worth, why would I go anywhere else? Like, I don't have to do anything. There's no responsibilities. There's no accountabilities. I essentially don't report to anyone. In fact, I don't really even have to do any work. And normally I'm worth 150K, but now I'm getting paid 170 plus bonuses, plus I can work from home, plus, you know, someone comes and wipes my ass when I shit. Like, that's what we've got. Mm. It was so obvious that the economy was tilted so far one way that it has to come back and correct itself back into balance. Mm-hmm. So I don't think about any, everything is just a cycle and life is a cycle. Like you go through times in business of expansion, contraction, but it tightens things up. Like I know in my own business and, and you will have this as well and any other business owner has this, is that when you go through a time of economic growth where you, you're starting to take on more clients and cash flow is going well, you start to become a little bit complacent. You're like, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, that staff member, they're shit, but you know, mm. we'll just keep them because they're, they're, they're all right because you've got enough cash. Yeah. 
when you're struggling every week to pay bills, you can't afford to pay someone who is shit. So when a business expands, we tend to be a little bit loose and a little bit complacent. Whereas when the business contracts, we tend to tighten everything up. So as the business expands, in order to get to the next level, it has to contract a little bit to tighten everything up so that then we can expand into the next level. Mm. And then it's got yeah. to contract in order to expand again. Yep. So all businesses go through this cycle of almost like a breath where, where it breathes in and it expands and it gets a little bit loose and a little bit complacent and then it tightens up a little bit. And so all cycles are like this and everything has a cycle. You know, business has, I believe business has like a, a, a different, a couple of different life cycles. So you have summer where everything's in harvest and everything's super easy. Then it goes into autumn and you're like, oh shit, things are getting a bit tighter. Like we've got to be a little bit smarter. Then you go into winter and you're like, oh fuck, nothing's ever going to go good again. Like we could lose everything. This is shit. And then all of a sudden you start to get a bit of glimmer of hope again because springtime starts mm. to happen. All the hard work you've been putting in through winter when everything's dark and gloomy and you're working your ass off just to keep your fucking head above water. Now you're in, in springtime again. Now you've got this glimmer of hope. You're like, oh, I think we're back onto it again. And then you go through summer. So business is, you know, those four seasons. Then you've also got the growth cycle of a business, which if you have a look at a startup, it's essentially a newborn baby. A newborn baby, you feed it and all it does, it just shits itself. Mm. And you're like, man, all I do is change nappies and feed this fucking thing and it cries. A business, all you do is you feed a cash when you first start it and all it does is it shits its pants every day. Yeah. And you're like, what the yeah. fuck? When's this going to get better? And you've got these hopes and dreams. And the only reason why you do it is because you love it just like a child. Yeah. If if it wasn't for the love of a child, you would just kill it because it's like it serves no purpose whatsoever apart from the idea of love. Mm. Like, I mean, it, it's true, right? Like, there's there's a child, a, a newborn baby serves no purpose apart from love, because all it does is it eats, it shits, and screams. That's mm. it. Mm. Um, and and you go look how cute it is, <laughs> but all it's done is it's thrown up on itself and all that. But your startup business is exactly like that. You're like, you know, I love this. I love the intensity of it, but like, fuck, money cash flow and it's like really intense and then it starts to grow and it starts to like crawl a little bit the owner has to be around because you've got to watch it all the time so when you first start hiring staff your first five six ten staff you've got to watch them all the fucking time because they just do something crazy like you look away for two seconds and something's mm. fucked and you're like oh man what's going on here but it's just crawling around it's trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure it out and then eventually it stands up and it starts walking on its own two feet you've got to watch it but at least it can walk on its own two feet so you can send the boys out to do a job but you've got to keep your eye on them all the time because if not, it's going to fall over and hurt itself. But as the business grows, it goes through the same growth cycle where eventually you can let it go for a couple of days and it's fine by itself. Or in a teenager, yeah. a teenager is completely independent, can look after itself, can do everything, but you've got to be really, out of, you've got to be really careful because it can get out of control. Mm. A lot of businesses die in startup or they die in its teenage years because owners, when it's in its teenage years, they're like, cool, I'm going away for four months now because I've worked hard for seven years. Mm, now we're making so a shit true. ton of cash yeah. and they just take their after prize. But teenagers normally will crash the car and kill themselves because they just, they, they don't understand risk. Whereas you've understood risk, but the new manager or the general manager doesn't have that same risk that you have as the owner. Mm. Great businesses get to a stage where they want to stay an adult, a young adult for as long as possible. So if you look at Apple, Apple's cool, it's trendy. And they try and keep it in that young adult stage. How do we keep it cool? How do we keep it trendy? How do we keep it relevant? But at the same time, we've got good management practices. It mm. mitigates risks, all of that. Apple years ago got old. It just got old really, really quickly and it started dying out. And so they started losing market share and then they brought back Steve Jobs and he made it cool again. So our goal as business owners is to 
if, if we want to have a great business, we want to build it to a young adult, keep it cool, keep it trendy, keep it relevant. But at the same time, having the management, the mm. procedures, all of that stuff risk mitigated. And we think through things and we sort of try and keep it there because that's where you're going to maximize profit. Yeah. Yeah. And then if it gets too old, it's going to die. That's sick. Thanks for coming on, man. My um, pleasure. Yeah. There's been some super, really awesome learnings. And I personally, I, I do really appreciate everything you do for me. And um, I couldn't speak highly enough of the Odyssey crew that you got going on. So I'd, I'd recommend everyone check it out because I was a, one of those uh, naysayers, as, as you, you would know how we met. And um, no, you've definitely proven that it's worthwhile. I wouldn't have this if it wasn't for you. So thanks. My pleasure. And do you want to let everyone know quickly where they where to find you? Yeah, uh, Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not that good. It would be the worst 30 seconds you ever pay for. Um, but um, look, um, if anyone wants to find me, just go to um, uh, Google. You can type in Michael Mojo and the website will come up. Uh, you can find me on any social media platform, uh, Michael Mojo Double Zero. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, um, Facebook. Uh, we've got a group called No Bullshit Business Hacks or No BS Business Hacks on Facebook, which essentially is a group for business owners. And I throw tools in there, trainings, all of that stuff to help business owners grow. I know that business is tough. And one of the worst things I think for most business owners is that they're ignorant enough to think that they can do it alone. Businesses win because they build good teams. And not only do you need to have a good team of people who work in the business, but you've also got to have a good team of people around you as a business owner. And if you can't bounce ideas, you're not around people who are stimulating thoughts. You don't have those types of people who are up with technology and, and mm. industries and, and things that are evolving, then you can be left behind really, really quickly. And, um, you know, I've just tried to create that environment for business owners because, man, I know it's tough and, um, you know, I want to be around other people as well who are, who are tough, but also who want to grow and want to learn and are adaptable and, and resilient and who want to do cool shit as well. Like, you know, business odysseys and isn't a boring, like jump up, down, high five no. each other event. It's like we're in here to get shit done, but then let's go and have beers afterwards in a state. Mm. Um, and so that's what I love about our community. Like I go and hang out with everyone. I'm one of the only speakers in the world who actually go out and hang out with their their audience because I actually mm. enjoy hanging out with everyone um, and hearing how everything's going. So um, yeah, you can check out that on Facebook and Business Odyssey. You can just shoot me a message or whatever if you're you're keen to know more about it and I'll send you some info. Thanks. Legend. Thank you, mate. Thank Thanks you. a lot, man. My pleasure.